You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Live in the Cardinals Sports Center studio, part of the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football feed. I am very excited to get my new Dave Campbell's magazine. It usually goes to the station. I'm going to have to see if I fix the wet, the, uh, the address where I get that. at. Uh, I'm not at the station anymore. Um, anyways, Cardinal Sports Center is gearing up for their biggest sidewalk sale of all time coming up in July. Get out there right south of the loop, outside the loop, as we say in Lubbock. On Slide Road. Kyle, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. First comment we're getting is over over under three and a half, the number of times Kyle silently laughs to himself and Rob when he disagrees with a Rob take. Like that. Hammer the over. Well, we already at one. Um, over on me giving you a compliment on your hat. That is a nice lid. Swing your sword, and I think you wanted to open the show by honoring the pirate because I don't know if we ever acknowledged his Texas Tech Hall of Fame um, announcement from maybe last week. We acknowledged, but we were talking to the West Virginia folks, and I don't think we ever got into it. Just a quick statement on that. Uh, I love that he's going in to the Hall of Fame, uh, the Ring of Honor. It's the Hall of Fame. I love that he's going into the Hall of Fame, coaches and players both. Uh, I think it's understated how impactful he was. And I think it's understated how impactful Cliff Kingsbury was with Mike Leach. I very much enjoy that they're doing those two together. I think if anybody can speak to Mike Leach's greatness, uh, it is Cliff Kingsbury, and he can speak from it from two sides. It's really hard to be a coach here. And he was also a player, a great player, who broke a bunch of records. I think he had 39 school records by the time he left. So just really cool that both of those guys are going in and going in together. Agreed. Um, one note on Cliff Kingsbury that I, it always sticks out to me, I think people forget how bad the offensive line was his first year starting under Leach. And – you know, I kind of hated this when he was coach here, but even Tech fans would, it, from my perspective, pile on with the coach bro stuff and kind of like to paint him as this, like, pretty boy, surfer boy. But he was tough as nails. Like, he got beat up. He was a skinny quarterback, and he took a beating, and all he did was kind of help reshape the identity of this program and totaled 100 career touchdowns, most of those through the air, obviously. Um, and maybe he was overshadowed a little bit by all the guys who put up insane numbers after him. So I think it's a very worthy honor for Cliff Kingsbury from his playing career here. I think everybody can agree his coaching career didn't go as well as we'd all hoped. But even if he never coached a game here, he 
um, I think should be selected based on merit as a player, uh, even without any of the coaching considerations. And then my, my thought on Leach, you know, it, it's unfortunate. We kind of alluded to this on the episode after he passed away last year. Um, obviously, kind of the elephant in the room is where where he and his family left things with the university um, before he departed. And, you know, I, I said something to the effect of, like, I think anytime somebody passes sooner than expected, there's this sense of, like, well, I wish I had made amends here. I wish I would have cleared the air on this or that. Um, and so it was unfortunate, like, some people's minds immediately went to that conflict and that dispute, how to resolve it. It's like, well, if we can just set that aside while we're trying to honor a guy for an incredible career, an iconic career in the sport of college football, that would be nice. Like it, it would be, it'd be nice to honor him without immediately having those same debates that we've had for nearly 15 years now. And so no matter what side of that people are on or what their perspective of previous Texas tech administrations uh, might be, I hope that they can set that aside, especially on the, whatever game day they, they choose to honor him um, and they can just celebrate his career. So very worthwhile honor for both, both uh, King, coach Kingsbury and coach Leach. And I think even before you know, any of coach Leach's uh, health issues, you said that it would be appropriate to honor him in some kind of hall of fame, hall of honor, walk of fame. Um, and even alluded to the stadium renovations going on, if they could, create an area for that, you know, to recognize coaches and maybe name it after Mike Leach. So who knows if something additional like that is in the works, I think that would be appropriate too, but this is certainly a great first step. Yeah. And it's, uh, I believe the Houston game is when they're going to do it. So that'll be good. And that segues us to the bottom of the conference, which I have uh, Houston near, not at the bottom, but, uh, this is something we're going to do. Uh, this is an official Big 12 conference media poll. Uh, just a couple of big J journos here. Uh, Kyle, you, you've made it. You're going to be at media day, so I don't think you can jab me with um, Big 12 media day, big J journo jabs anymore. You're in the you're in the boat, man. You're going to sit at a press conference, and, and you've made it. Yeah, all I need is a lanyard at media days that I can flash at people, so next time I'm – like at the grocery store or something, and somebody maybe cuts me off for the last box of Kraft Mac and cheese. I'm like, hey, do you know who you're dealing with here? This is an official media pass. I voted in the preseason Big 12 poll. Thank you very much. So I, I, when you forwarded me this email with the ballot, I was like, did they mean to send this to us? Like, do they know who we are, what we do? Uh, and then my wife kind of put two and two together, actually. She was like, well, it's probably because of y'all's affiliation with Dave Campbell's that y'all get some credibility here. So we're honored to be a part of this. We, we take it seriously on one hand in terms of the thought we put into this. However, I, I see some AP voters, some Heisman voters that are super secretive, take it too seriously in my opinion. And so we want to be transparent. We want to have fun with this. And so you and I have not compared any notes on who our all big 12 players are players of the year, one through 14. We're going to hash it out live and come to a compromise might be some give and take. And this is going to be before all of our viewers and listeners so that they know exactly what went into this. And I think we're probably pretty unique in that we will read the YouTube comments as we go live here. And if a listener 
or a viewer makes a good point that is worthy of consideration, we will take that into account before setting anything in stone. So I hope we do this in a way that's fun and a little bit different than how other folks fill out their ballot. And uh, we'll publish this on Twitter and everything once it's all said and done so that it's out there for the world to see. And we'll be accountable for it at the end of the season. One note. Um, if you're watching on Twitter, we don't see those comments. So come over to YouTube. If you're watching live on Twitter, uh, the streaming software we use, we don't see the Twitter comments. So come over to YouTube if you're on Twitter and uh, you can comment there and we can see your comments. All right. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Number 14 in the big 12, the last place team. I am not trusting the climb. It is West Virginia 14th for me. Okay. So right off the bat here, we're going to have some stuff to iron out. No, I no. I have West Virginia 10th. 10th? Yeah, that's not some ringing endorsement, but that's substantially higher than 14th. Okay, give me your 14th through 10. I've got Houston at the very bottom. Okay. I, I'll go into justification or rationale after that. I've got Cincinnati 13. I've got Iowa State 12, BYU 11, and West Virginia 10. Okay, so my 14 through 10, West Virginia 14, Houston 13, BYU 12, Cincinnati 11, Oklahoma State 10. Okay, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is ninth for me, so we're not too far off there. Okay. You have Iowa State ninth or, or better? Yes. Okay. But I would I would venture to bring them down because I just noticed I don't have any of them on my all-Big 12 team. <laughs> so I wouldn't be opposed to bringing them down – to nine or ten. I think I only have one Iowa State guy. Um, now that you mention it. So so here's some of my reasoning. Um West Virginia, they they have the toughest non-conference of anybody in the Big 12. And so when they start conference play against Texas Tech at home, they will have been battle tested against two teams that are that would be middle of the Big 12 or top of the Big 12, Penn State and Pitt. I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, you look at OU's non-con, their first test of the season is going to be a neutral side against preseason favorite Texas. Two totally different stories there. As you know, I'm a believer in Garrett Green, assuming he gets named the starting quarterback, which we're not going to put anything past your favorite head coach. <laughs> if, they lose, if they lose to Penn State and Pitt, Neil Brown is not going to be coaching in the Big 12. You might be right, yeah. So – now, Bob Huggins might have bought him some time because they might not want to do a, a full makeover back-to-back -back here. Uh, and They could be doing a basketball search all, all, all for yeah. the season. I don't know. but uh, So you had Houston at 13? I have Houston at 14. They, they're, they're losing Clayton okay. Toon, a guy who started a lot of games, was a good quarterback for them. They're losing their best running back. They're losing Tank Dell. They're losing that guy who sacked us six times in Lubbock last year so it's yeah I don't know I just I, I see no returning production I see a coach that's checked out I see a team making a transition to a power five that looks in my eyes less equipped than the other newcomers to make that transition and it, it was hard to put anybody below them okay so I'll I'll, I'll concede with 14 at Houston because I haven't met 13 you haven't met 14 okay I, I'm hard-pressed at putting West Virginia at 12 or lower 
Okay. Will you, will you consider that? Yeah. So I'll, I'll explain some other. So I had Iowa State at 12. I'm willing to move them up because I do think there's upside there. I, I like Matt Campbell as a coach. I think that they have certain players that could make a leap this year. Hunter Deckers, Jirel Brock. But with this gambling thing, and I don't want to put, you know, unsubstantiated rumors out there, but it, I think it's it's pretty well circulated by now that some of the guys that were expected to be major contributors for them are caught up in this gambling thing. And so is that going to be a season-long suspension? Are they going to miss Big 12 action? Is it a, a one-game slap on the wrist? I don't know. And so that uncertainty kind of led me to put them lower than I would if none of that gambling thing was hanging over. Okay. How do you feel about Iowa State at 10? I could probably go with you there. That kind of splits the difference where we have them, because I have them up at seven. Okay, so what are you doing with Cincinnati and BYU? Cincinnati and BYU 11 and 12 on my list. Okay, I've got Cincinnati 13, BYU 11. So if we slot West Virginia at 12, is that what we agreed to do? We could do that. So who do you who do you want to put thirteenth? Is it is Cincinnati okay with you? Yes. Okay. I always spell Cincinnati wrong. It's tough. I always is it two N's or two T's? Two N's, two T's. Yeah. I think I got it right. Okay, and then so what do we have at ten and eleven here? So we got to put BYU in there at uh, 11 and Iowa State at 10, or do you want to flip those two? So I had BYU 11, Iowa State 12. Um, it, it's not a huge difference at this point. Um, I think BYU, well, yeah, BYU is going to be a tough tough road environment for a lot of teams to go into. So I I'm, I don't feel too strongly either way on which one's 10 or 11. I, we can do that however you want. All right, bottom five, you looking there? Yeah. All right. Next five. I think that's fair. And I think that pretty closely mirrors some of the Vegas odds. I think all these teams are four and a half or five and a half win teams. If we could pull that up to reference, that'd be that'd be nice. Do you want me to search for that real quick? Search for what? The Big 12 win totals. Oh, yes. Yeah, if you could. Yeah, let me find that real quick. And I'll read you my next uh, next five. Um, so I have Kansas at nine, Oklahoma state still on the board for me at 10 UCF eight. And then I had Iowa state seven TCU would be six for me. Um, I am not firm on TCU at all. And I'm not firm on UCF at all. I'm actually kind of staunch on Kansas. I, I could move Kansas up. So Oklahoma State, now that I was looking at uh, some of what they have coming back on defense, even though they lost a lot, I would be open to moving Oklahoma State up quite a bit. All right, before we get ahead of ourselves in that, do me a favor. Um, next to Houston, put four and a half. Okay. Uh, Houston and Cincinnati, both four and a half, actually. West Virginia, also four and a half. BYU six and Iowa State five and a half. So only some slight variance to this point. Okay. Um, okay, so my next three, I had Oklahoma State nine, I had Kansas eight, and Baylor seven. 
Um, I, I'm with you on the Oklahoma State defense. I think that they've got some playmakers there. I also think that there's a credible argument to be made that Alan Bowman is not a top 11 or 12 quarterback, starting quarterback in this league. And so I think that that limits their ceiling substantially. I think Alan Bowman's a top eight quarterback in this league. There's no way. Coming back, he was when he was here. Okay, I'm going to name guys that no hesitation I would take over Alan Bowman real quick. Just okay. no particular order. Viewers, right. yes. Yeah. Gabriel. Sure. Will Howard. Uh, well, yeah. Jalen Daniels. Uh-huh. Um, those four, I think. Oh, how about John Rice Plumley from UCF? No. You you wouldn't take him over Alan Bowman? Not, like, for sure. He's a runner. He he was in a starting lineup last season, which is more than Alan Bowman can say. He was at Al- Michigan. Alan been starting at Michigan. Alan Bowman couldn't definitively beat out Henry Columbi on one of the worst Texas Tech teams I've ever seen. He was hurt. Hunter Deckers. I'll keep okay. going. Chuck. Yeah, well, yeah, these next group are guys that I would probably take with like a minimal hesitation. Chuck, Deckers, Green. It's just like based on upside. Donovan. Donovan has a higher ceiling than Alan Bowman. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, Mike Craven doesn't even think that uh, Donovan Smith's going to start at Houston. I saw Donovan play last year, and I know it was better than what I saw. Other than Alan Bowman tearing it up versus Lamar with Antoine Wesley and Cliff Kingsbury calling plays. Yeah. Alan Bowman is not a top-10 quarterback in this league. I'm high on Brennan Presley, too. Yeah, he's a good receiver, but, like – can Alan Bowman get the ball to him more than five yards down the field? Is is Alan Bowman better than Taylor Cornelius? No. <laughs> he beat him. His team beat him, yeah. Okay. I'm being a little bit facetious on Alan Bowman, but I, I think I would not be surprised. I think it's more likely that Alan Bowman is the worst starting quarterback in the Big Twelve than it is that he's top half. I mean, do you not remember the COVID year? Yes. He stunk. He was hurt. He was not hurt. He was supposed to be back from his injuries. His ankle oh. was hurt. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he had that ankle lung disease. I, I, I think he, you, you just threw me off by saying 13th. I mean, I think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. I mean, I, don't, I can't tell you right now who Cincinnati's starting quarterback is. Every other guy, Keaton Slovis at BYU. Every other guy I'm taking over Alan Bowman, it's just a matter of do I hesitate for like zero seconds or for a half a second? Okay. I'm just a little higher on Alan Bowman. Okay. Is he on your all-Big 12? Is he your quarterback? No, but I think we do have different quarterbacks based on what we were just talking about. I can be persuaded to move Oklahoma State up from ninth, but I think they have a pretty hard ceiling with Alan Bowman as their quarterback. I have I have him at 10th. I'll stay with him at nine. Okay. I agree with you though. I think I think defensively they've got some pieces there. What's their win total? Good question. Oh, for a second. I saw nine and a half. That was Oklahoma. Um Oklahoma State six and a half. Okay. So eight. Uh I have UCF, but I still have Kansas on my board. So my next three now, the Oklahoma State is off the board. I've got Kansas eight, Baylor seven, UCF sixth. And I think that, honestly, a lot of those are pretty fluid. I would 
I would be completely okay with Kansas and then UCF and then Baylor. Um, in ascending order, like eight, seven, six. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Like I said, I think those are really close, kind of splitting hairs. Are, so are you still not sold on Leipold and the Jayhawks? I know you were kind of skeptical last year. What, what are your thoughts on them going into this season? No, I think they can absolutely win six games. And in college football, uh, I know you have nine conference games in the Big 12, but you also get three. And a lot of teams can win four conference games. I think it's going to be that way in the Big 12 this year. I think West Virginia, Houston, and Cincinnati are going to struggle in the Big 12. They might win one or two. And then there's going to be six or seven teams that win four or five Big 12 games. And then only a couple that win, you know, eight, if any. So I, I think it's going to be a, a really, really muddled middle. And again, you're flipping coins for a bunch of these middle teams. True. Yeah, I see a lot of seven and five potential, like right in the middle of what we just discussed. And the Vegas win totals would reflect that. I see a comment. That's a lot of respect for Kansas. It is. They were a really, really good offensive team with Jalen Daniels healthy last year. They might have a top three in the conference trio of quarterback, running back, number one receiver. And so I, I know the defense is probably still lagging behind but I think they're going to be really competitive with a lot of teams and put up good numbers on the offensive side of the ball. So I, it is a lot of respect, but I think they've kind of earned it at this point. Kansas might have a top four secondary in the big 12. I think Kansas has a, a really good quarterback. One of the best, if not the best running backs in the big 12. And as you alluded to a pretty good wide receiver one, uh, yes, they have depth issues, but I think they can go seven and five or six and six. Now, I do I think they'll still tr- struggle on the trenches? Yes, but so is Texas Tech offensively recently. Um, I think they're going to take a step, but yeah, people do not agree with the Kansas take right now. I, I can back it up. I mean, so I, I saw another comment on there that Jalen Daniels is the only good player. Um, they've got a an offensive lineman that is going to be on some of these preseason Big 12 watch lists. Devin Neal ran for 1,000 yards last year on less than 200 carries. He's the only returner with 1,000 yards. Yeah. So, like, Jalen Daniels isn't the only good player. They've got – again, I'm not saying that their defense is great, but they've got other dudes besides Jalen Daniels. And even when he was out, they did pretty okay with Jason Bean. Like, they were still moving the ball, putting up numbers. And again, eighth in the Big Twelve could be seven and five. Yeah. It's not like we're picking them to win nine games here. Yeah, so so their win total six and a half. So I could see them going six and six, seven and five very easily. Um, UCF is six and a half. This is all, by the way, according to DraftKings Sportsbook as of May 5th. So these might have moved a little bit. Um, Baylor is seven and a half. So we're, we're still tracking pretty close here to going chalk with Vegas. I had Baylor at five, full disclosure. Okay. So, all right, we're in the top five now. It is down to the nitty-gritty. T- TCU is my five, and I don't think I'd put them any higher. Uh, I'm close. I've got TCU fourth, Texas Tech fifth. Yeah, I'll put Texas Tech over TCU and own that one. And I, I tried to be – Logically consistent here. When we get to the top, 
there's going to be some beat the champs to be the champs kind of philosophy. So same deal. I know TCU lost a lot. They also went 12-0 and in the regular season last year. And sure, tons of question marks on if they can replace some of that production that got them there. But I don't know if I'm comfortable putting an 8-5 and team that lost them head-to-head last year over them in the preseason predictions. Of course, I'm rooting for that as a fan of Texas Tech, but that was my justification for how I went 4-5. I'm comfortable. Do you want a paper, rock, scissors here, or are you comfortable with my uh, staunchness? No, I, let's do it how you've got it. TCU fifth, Texas Tech fourth. Win totals, TCU seven and a half, Texas Tech seven and a half. There you go. One, two, three. Hit him, hit him with me. I've got Emaw, Texas, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma at one? No, Oklahoma at three. Sorry, that was – I got okay. Kansas State as preseason number one, Texas number two, Oklahoma number three. All right, Oklahoma number three, I'm down. If they had any other schedule, I would have a much lower, but that schedule is – I mean, they play six of the bottom seven. Cakewalk. I mean, it, it really is. And then they play Texas, who I guess we're going to have one or two here. At a neutral site. At a neutral site. Uh, they don't play Texas Tech. They don't play Baylor, I don't think. So, yeah. I have that schedule up. Well, I have the whole Big 12 schedules I can pull up. I forgot about that. Oklahoma's win total is nine and a half. All right, so you have Texas at two. Yes. I've got them at one. Um, defending champs get the honor of the, the benefit of the doubt here? That's basically it for me. Um, Texas, the odds-on favorite to win the conference. If we were going chalk with Vegas odds, they would be number one. They're the most talented team in the conference. However, those two pieces of the puzzle, if you will, is almost always true for Texas. Like when Oklahoma has a stack team, maybe they're picked second in the conference, but they're always just as talented, if not more talented than everybody picked to have the highest win total picked to have the best odds to win the conference. And they never do. So same deal. Kansas state wins the trophy in Arlington last year. They beat TCU who won 13 games, including a neutral site win over Michigan. And it's hard for me to go, okay, yeah, five lost Texas, because the media hype train is rolling, we're going to leapfrog you over the defending champs. Kansas State lost their two best players. They lost other guys beyond that. They've got a lot to prove as well, just like TCU. But if the gap was like, if I had a 11-2 and Oklahoma right behind Kansas State last year, and I felt like OU's returning production was better, I'm comfortable putting them ahead. But putting a five-loss Texas team over the defending champs, uh, just because Kansas State has some returning production um, to prove is too big of a leap for me. I do think Texas is talented. I think they're a real threat to win the conference. When Whenever we get to that point in the offseason, Rob, where we make our futures picks, I, I would probably heavily consider Texas. But this is partially a respect for what has been done in the past. It's partly respect for Chris Kleiman, who has done something Steve Sarkeesian has never done in his head coaching career, which is win 10 games in a season. And so I don't think that they're actually likely to finish ahead. But my philosophy in filling out this ballot was to respect what they accomplished last year and say to myself that a five-loss team has not earned the right to jump them before any games are played. I'm down with climate over Sark. I am. And uh, 
I kind of forced the Texas Tech over TCU thing, so I'll I'll let you have the Kansas State over Texas. Okay. I'll be that bigger man there. So, so you don't trust you don't trust the climb, but you trust the climbing. I trust the climbing. Yeah. All right. Uh, Texas nine and a half. Kansas State eight and a half. So we we are putting a team a full game behind uh, the Vegas win totals um, over the second and third place teams. I don't think it's outlandish though. I think think it can be defended. I would be surprised if Kansas State is number one when this ballot is tabulated. I think it'll be Texas or Oklahoma, but I, I'm comfortable with our justification if you are. I am. All right, let's go to defense. You want to start with the defensive line? Well, before we get there, do you know what else is easy to justify, Rob? How good Rahino Barbecue is. That's right. Hit him up at BBQ on social, RahinoBBQ.com. You can order ahead to make sure that your delicious barbecue is there when you arrive. Hit him up out in Olton. I think the mobile food truck is maybe under construction right now, but if you follow them on social, they'll have the food truck schedule posted. You can't miss when you go there. It's all good. Brisket, ribs, turkey, burgers, jalapeno poppers, and they are always coming up with new special menu items. We appreciate Rahino Barbecue support of the Gambling Gauchos. Always. All right, defensive line, the big boys. They yeah, so, yeah, they eat a lot of Rahino, uh, and they deserve it. So an interesting deal here, there's five spots for the D-line. There's no specification on edge, nose tackle. So what I did, Rob, I have my top five, and I have others that I'm kind of honorable mention status that I, I might be willing to work in if you can persuade me. But I put two interior guys and three more end or edge guys. Um, not that that matters. If if I thought the five best were nose tackles, I probably would have done that. But that was kind of my philosophy going in, trying to get five defensive linemen. I went beef. Okay. I went a lot of interior. Okay. Uh, do you want to each have one that we just get on the defensive line since there's five and then kind of quibble over the final three? Let me see here. I – maybe if you pick a guy that – I've got five that I feel pretty strongly about. Okay. Dante Corleone. He's on my list. All right. He's mine. The godfather. The other one, I don't think you'll argue with me here. I've got paired with Dante Corleone on the interior, Jalen Hutchings. Everybody gets to see me struggle with Cincinnati. Have made you type. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd be any better. Jalen Hutchings also on my list. And that's not a homer pick. You'll see, I don't pick a ton of Texas Tech guys, but he's very much earned that. His hype is widespread among a lot of people that cover college football. I think he's certainly one of the two or three best interior linemen in this conference. All right, so I have one more interior. Uh, It sounds like you have three um, edge rushers. My final interior guy is Tavondre Sweat from Texas. He has played in 45 Big 12 games. He started nine games last year, and that's just because, hey, what package are we starting in today? He played a ton and was an absolute beast, second-team All-Big 12 last year. He was not hey, on my radar. Honorable mention, I think, actually. He he was not on my radar. I've got 
I've got three more that I had. had. 355. Do what? He's 6'4", 355. Big boy. All right, so let me see if you have the other two that I have. Uh, Ethan Downs of Oklahoma. Do not have him. And then uh, Ricky Barber, UCF. Do not have him. I have somebody else from UCF. Okay, do you have the uh, the other edge rusher from UCF? I've got Tremont Morris, Morris Brash from UCF. I'm in with him. So I think UCF deserves a player on there, and that's my player. I just kind of flipped the coin between those two. Yeah, let me pull up his stats real quick because it, it's impressive. And what I tried to do, Morris it was Brash. tough. Uh, yes. Uh, Tremont is the T-R-E-M-O-N. Morris Brash. Um, it's hard to judge guys that played an American athletic conference schedule last year. What I tried to do is take maybe 75 or 80% of their stats and project that to the big 12. But last year he had 52 tackles, 13 for a loss, six sacks. I think that would translate into all big 12 numbers. He's a, he's a four year player. He's capitalizing on a COVID year. So a ton of snaps, ton of starts. I, I feel good about him. I want to reference the uh, the comments here. Tony Bradford is getting disrespected. What makes Hutchings better than Bradford? The stats. I mean, Bradford is very good. He's just a different type of player. Yeah, he's a no, he, he's a block eater. He does his job. He's very good. But Hutchings is a better interior defensive lineman than Tony Bradford is. Yeah, think, yeah. People that you know are semi pro scouts would tell you that. PFF grades tell you that. Tony Bradford's a good player. A lot of really good players aren't going to make this list. I think Bradford would probably be on like a second team ballot for me. But if I had to choose one or the other, and if we're not going to put half of this roster as Texas Tech guys, which I don't think would be appropriate, then some tough decisions have to be made. Um, I would fight for Downs to be on the list. He was all Big 12 second team last year, had 13 and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, and nine hurries last season. You want to tell? Can I tell you the two guys I have remaining? Yes, I've got Baron Sorrell from Texas. Last year, ten starts as a sophomore, nine and a half TFLs, five sacks. So I think pretty close to the stat line you just mentioned. And then I've got Colin Oliver from Oklahoma State, who had a little bit of a down year last year, but I think he was like freshman All American. Yes, Big Twelve freshman of the year in twenty twenty one. I have him at linebacker. See, I had him at linebacker initially, and then everywhere he's listed as defensive end. Is so he? I, I moved him to defensive line. I had him on my linebacker list initially, and I had to move. I had to bump somebody out of the D line because he's listed as defensive end everywhere that I've seen. Okay, I had him at linebacker, so I'm I'm down with Colin Oliver. Okay, so we're we're between Baron Sorrell, and then you've got one or two guys you want to make a case for. I'm going to pull up Sorrell's stat line just so we can compare apples to apples here. He's probably one that I've of the five that I've mentioned, he's probably the one I feel least strongly about. So I'm I'm good to compromise on this with you. Um well here's my deal on on downs. I don't have another Oklahoma player on the list. That's fair. I don't I don't think I have a single OU guy uh, maybe a couple that are like in the discussion. So I'm actually fine with that because we will get roasted if we don't have anybody from OU on here. Yeah. So let's go Ethan Downs. Yeah. Good call. All right. Linebacker Jalen Ford. 
Yes. Okay. When do you want to say defensive player of the year? Do you want to do it when we when we come across them, or do you want to do it at the end? Oh, uh, we can do it at the end. Okay. Foreshadowing. Yeah, but yeah, I have Jalen Ford too for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to find. Okay. So I, this was actually tough. So I had. I had Jalen Ford. The next two I feel good about. The fourth guy I had on my list was like right there. So I'll just read you what I have. I've got Jason Johnson from UCF. Last year, 126 tackles as a transfer from Eastern Illinois. So a guy who's used the portal to move up a level. Uh, really experienced player. I think this is his fifth year. First team All-American Athletic Conference last year. Hard to ignore that stat line, 126 tackles and and the experience there. Um, another guy I had was Kendall Daniels from Oklahoma State. I think he was actually the freshman All-American in 2021. Took a little bit of a step back last year, but really flashed. 2022. So he was all fresh. He was freshman Big 12 player of the year last year. Okay. And I have him at safety. Mm, okay. Um, It's one of those – Linebacker safety roles, though. Yeah. Yeah, this is tough. Who did you have at linebacker? I guess let's let's go there. Uh, linebacker I have – the other two I had were Johnny Hodges at TCU, and then I had Colin Oliver. But I am – I am down with the UCF guy because I also looked at him. Okay. The guy that I – if we're going to move Kendall Daniels to safety, the guy that would have slotted in third for me is Max Tooley from BYU. Um, he's battled injuries, so his total stat line isn't doesn't quite compare to some of these other guys. But let me read you what he does have. Because I think, like, if you imagine him being healthy for 10 or 12 games, what he might be able to do. Uh, this is another guy taking advantage of a COVID year. So this will be his sixth season of college football. He has, in his career, 219 tackles, 12 and a half for loss, two sacks, six interceptions, two of which he returned for a touchdown. He's got six passes defended, a fumble recovery, a forced fumble, and last season's stat line. He had three picks in just seven games. And so he's a linebacker that apparently does well in coverage, but also, I mean, eats his fair share of tackles. So I had him right on the cusp. I It was hard for me to not include him in the three. But if we're moving Kendall Daniels to safety, he would have been my next one as an all-Big 12 linebacker. Johnny Hodges not on your list? No, I do not have Johnny Hodges. Newcomer of the year last year, 87 tackles. Second team All-Big 12 last year. Yeah, he probably deserves a spot. So you want to go I'll, – I'll take Hodges if you want to take the third. Or do you feel strongly about uh, the UCF linebacker? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to balance – you know, being fair to the newcomers while also respecting guys that have already produced at this level, which I which I guess I'm down to a UCF and a BYU guy 
Um, the the only other guy I had kind of close to that conversation was Lee Koba from West Virginia in terms of a returning Big 12 player. But he was he was behind Max Tooley and Jason Johnson for me. So I I guess I'll go with Jason Johnson because that's who I had initially. But I can I can be talked out of it if you prefer Max Tooley from BYU. And then Johnny Hodges. Yeah. Read uh read the BYU linebacker stat again. Yeah, so let me pull that up. So last season in seven games, 57 tackles, two for loss, one sack, three INTs, two of those returned for a touchdown. And then his career, which is, let's see here, quick math, 35, 40-ish games, 40, 45 games. He has 219 tackles, 12 and a half for loss, two sacks, six INTs, fumble recovery, forced fumble, two passes defended. All right, comment section. UCF linebacker or BYU linebacker? I think I'm leaning BYU, though. Okay. You're leaning UCF? I I was initially, but I I think if if this guy had been healthy for 12 games, he probably would have been up there. Okay. And what was his name? His name is Max Tooley, T-O-O-L-E-Y. I would not have spelled it like that. Yeah. We got a we got a UCF edge rusher, so yeah. This is close though. I mean, I'm putting the other guy in my honorable mention list. I mean, he was right there. That's no no disrespect to UCF. Yeah, we've left off a lot of good players already. Obviously. Yeah, we're about to have to leave off some really good DBs. I'll, I'll say this because I forgot to mention this at the outset of the defense. I think pass rushers have a huge opportunity to shake up this list, like. You lost pretty much all your marquee pass rushers from last year. Like some of the best guys coming back had five sacks last year, which is pretty good, but that's not NUDK Uzama or Tyree Wilson type production. So there could be a guy totally not on anybody's radar that has 10 sacks this year and is like immediately first team all Big 12. Um, defensive back, I feel the exact opposite. I feel like it's loaded. I could put eight guys as all Big 12 on this list, but we can only pick five. And one of them apparently plays kind of a hybrid position. I thought he was a linebacker. So we've already got one off the board who was on my linebackers list. And I had I had six DBs, and I was not sure which one to cut, and he wasn't even on that list. So this is going to be tough. Okay, how do you want to go about this? Do you want me to just start naming the guys I have, and then we can kind of check the ones we both have? Do you want to go first? I've got, I've got two guys. I've got three guys that I think absolutely have to be on there. So I'll start with those three and see what you think about those. Okay. I've got Kobe Savage from Kansas State. Yes. I've got Bud Clark from TCU. Okay. And I've got Kobe Bryant, C-O-B-E-E Bryant from Kansas. All right, I have both the Kobe's. Kobe Savage. Bud Clark, I think, is the returning interceptions leader from last season. He had 45 tackles, five INTs, and five passes defended. The two Kobe's had three interceptions apiece, just for comparison. So my final two are Malik Dunlap 
and Aubrey Burks. I have both of them down along with TJ Tampa from Iowa State. And those were the ones that it was like splitting hairs for me. Yeah, TJ Tampa was definitely on my list. And and Rayshad Williams, honestly, is not – I think Malik Dunlap is considered the better corner in Lubbock, but production-wise, Rayshad Williams is not far off at all. Man. Are you comfortable locking in Bud Clark from TCU? I, I feel like that's that's got to be pretty automatic. Five INTs last year. either? No. So we're down to one. Okay. So, so do, do you want me to read you stats real quick? Because I've, I've got the same guys. I've got their stat lines all pulled up. Okay. This is from last season only. Malik Dunlap, 33 tackles, one INT, 12 passes defended. TJ Tampa, 39 tackles, one INT, nine passes defended. Aubrey Burks, 66 tackles, one INT, two passes defended. And then if you want to consider Rayshad Williams, 37 tackles, one INT, seven passes defended. I just feel like there's a lot of safeties on the list and you need a corner. And I would lean Malik Dunlap. I think I would too. I'm I'm trying hard not to be biased here. Aubrey Burks, like you're saying, great safety the best tackler on this list. Um, and TJ Tampa, I, I thought, like before I started looking up stats from last year, everything, I thought TJ Tampa was going to be like a slam dunk. But last year he had 75% of the passes defended that Malik Dunlap had. So I, I think it's a justifiable, people are, people might say, oh, that's a homer pick, y'all are tech fans, but I think that the stats actually back that up. And it doesn't mean TJ Tampa isn't really good. He is, like I said at the outset with, Tony Bradford, there's some really good players that aren't going to make this list. So I, I'm, I'm comfortable with Dunlap if you are. I am. All right, punter. We're going another uh, another over pick here. Austin All right. McNamara. All right. I mean, he. I think his freshman or sophomore year set the conference record for punt average. He was a freshman All-American. It's his fifth season. But I'm open to discussion if somebody thinks there's a better punter out there, but I, I don't think there is. And then you you were also in a in in uh, the simpatico mindset that Jalen Ford's the defensive player of the year. Yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead and lock that in too. Yeah, I didn't really have anybody else, honestly, even on the list. It was a, a couple of these, and on offense, I'm going to have you help me decide. Like for quarterback, there's only one slot. Running back, there's only two. Um, I had lists of multiple guys. Defensive player of the year is just Jalen Ford. I put three running backs because I don't think there's a true fullback in the Big 12 right now. I saw Jared Casey listed as a fullback, so I put him. Yeah, but he is listed as a fullback, yes. I would rather. I'm, I'm with you. I think that's almost a wasted slot with – for how often there's four receivers on the field, like for there to only be three receivers and one fullback, I think they should have just made that a, a wide receiver spot. But Well, they don't list it fullback on the postseason All-Big 12. It's AP, all-purpose. 
So they do three running backs at the end, but on the preseason they do fullback. And last year it was just two tight ends. It was Ben Sinnott and um the kid from Texas. Well, I don't know what you want to do there. I guess we're I guess we're starting at fullback. I I took it literally and I put Jared Casey because I don't even know who else you would put. You could put Jalen Hutchings. I put yeah. If you know, I put, you know. I put CJ Donaldson. Uh, he's not a fullback at all, but he's 6'2", 240, and he's a short yardage guy. You know what? Screw it. I C.J. Donaldson, probably you can't justify putting him at running back, which I'll get to, but I I do think he's a really good player and could be an all-Big 12 running back at the end of the season. So I'm fine with listing him as the fullback. All right, let's save quarterback for now. Um, running back, we already talked about Devin Neal. We're putting him in, yes? Yes. Only 1,000-yard returner. And then I have the returner, returning freshman of the year, uh, Richard Reese, as my other running back. We're close. I had him behind R.J. Harvey from UCF. Okay, so that's another – he's done it at this level versus he did it somewhere else. Yeah, so here was my deal with Richard Reese. He had the accolades at the end of last year, under five yards per carry, and they lost three sixth-year seniors off that offensive line. They don't have a super proven passing game to take the load off of him, and they brought in a transfer running back from Oklahoma State. He might share the load. I, I think if he has a great season, I have no hesitation putting there in the postseason. I don't know if preseason I would be forecasting that, though, based on all of those factors. Um, R.J. Harvey, for whatever it's worth, last season at UCF, 796 yards, 6.7 yards per carry, five touchdowns, also caught 22 balls, 215 yards, 9.8 average. It, it was close. I had those two guys like right next to each other behind Devin Neal. So I, I'm, I'm willing to go Richard Reese if you are, but that was my line of thinking on it. Uh, let's leave that one in the comments section again. Richard Reese or Harvey? Reese or Harvey? All right, wide receiver. My wide receiver one is Xavier Worthy at Texas. Agreed. Okay. Who's your uh, wide receiver two? This one was actually pretty clean cut for me because I had I made a list of what I thought was good receivers and three kind of stood out, and then I had about five that it was sort of splitting hairs. And so I had Xavier Worthy in my top three. I also had Brennan Presley from Oklahoma State, who we've talked about, and then Jaron Bradley. All right. I had uh, Brennan Presley at kick returner. Interesting. I didn't know he returned kicks. I, I struggled with the kick return. I don't know that he does either, but I did. I had another receiver in there. I have uh, Matthew Golden from Houston. Okay. Uh, trying to get Houston on the list. Granted, that's the main reason. But also, I was really impressed with him last year. And, Kyle, he's all they have. He's going to get a lot of balls his way. So, does that mean you don't want to put Brendan Presley as the third Receiver? Who, who did you have as number three there? Matthew Gold. 
Oh, you're talking about – you had him at receiver, not at kick returner. I had him at receiver, and I put Brennan Presley at kick returner. I'm worried our ballot will be mocked if we put a guy who doesn't return kicks at kick returner. Well, who – like, how do you know who returned kicks – who returns kicks right now? That's like well, – Again, I struggle with this one because Darius Davis from TCU and Malik Knowles from Kansas State would have been like the obvious choices. Okay, Phillip, they're both they're both gone. Philip Brooks is he back? Uh, good question. I had let, let me where are my notes here? I had Jaden Nixon from Oklahoma State. He house one versus Baylor last year, and I had Monterey Baldwin. That's a great from, name from Baylor. He's speedy. Okay. I'm fine with putting Brennan Presley as the third wide receiver. Does Matthew Golden return kicks? I, who else? <laughs> Let me see if he's got stats logged for kick return. I think I have a Houston offensive lineman. You know what? He does, or he did. He returned five kicks last year for 23.2 average. Good enough for me. Yeah, I don't feel strongly about Baldwin or uh, the dude from Oklahoma State at kick returner, so I'm I'm good with that. All right, tight end. There's two, I think, maybe potentially three that could be listed. No, you don't think so? I think there's one. Is it uh, the kid from Texas? Yeah, Jatavian Sanders. Okay, read me his stat line. 54 catches, 613 yards. Senate was about 60% of that. On both receptions and yards, I mean, it, to me, it's pretty clear cut. Hit a fourteen point four yard average, which was fourth in the country, and led all Big Twelve receivers uh, tight ends. I'm cool with the Texas guy. I, I really am. I mean, the, the average is fine, but if the other guy has forty percent more receptions than you, you have to do that at volume for it to really matter. Sure. How do you spell that first name? J A capital T. A V I O N. What's his last name? Sanders. Sanders. Looking at all these names is confusing me. I know. Just real quick, the the group of five I had is kind of honorable mention wide receivers. I had Lawrence Arnold from Kansas, Jordan Whittington from Texas, Javon Baker from UCF. Uh, those three were probably the closest, and then I had Monterey Baldwin and Matthew Golden kind of in a second tier of honorable mention. I would love to say Baylor Cup here, but until we see Texas Tech utilize the tight ends, I just – I can't. Yeah, yeah, there hasn't been enough production there yet. All right, offensive line. Uh, I've got one that I have to have, two that I would like to have, um, and then I'm pretty wide open on the rest. I think I've got two must-haves. I feel really good about three more. But I'm I'm willing to hear you out, of course. Um, Cooper Beebe? Yes, he's number one. And then uh, Frazier at West Virginia? He's number two. Those are the two that I would have absolutely refused to leave off of this list. All right, I've, I did some projecting here. Uh, I think Kelvin Banks Jr. is probably my number three. Do you have him on your list? I have him on my list at number three. Okay. Kyle knows big boys. 
Oh, no, I'm writing Kyle. Kill them. <laughs> Don't put me on the first-team offensive line. <laughs> that would not end well for anybody. Uh, no. We're supposed to embrace debate here, and we're like super so we're simpatico. We're flying through this one. Um, let's see. Andrew Coker at TCU. Do not have him on my list. And then I have Cole Spencer. That is a homer pick at this juncture. <laughs> I'm not saying he can't be there postseason. He was on conference I, the last time he played. In what conference? The last conference he played in. <laughs> you've got to you've got to slash his production by like thirty percent from that conference for it to. Okay. And he's coming off a year long injury, a back injury. Well, he could have played last year, but they they set him because he wanted him uh, back this year. Uh, look, I'm excited for him. I think he might be your best offensive lineman, but there's you cannot justify putting him on this list. I understand. Uh, so who are your final two? God help me with this pronunciation. I've got Kingsley Suama Taia from BYU. He was a freshman All-American last season. No sacks allowed in 12 starts. I think he's legit. He was super highly rated coming out of high school. He started at Oregon and then transferred to BYU. But 12 starts, no sacks allowed. Give me, some, give me some spelling there. Yeah, so uh, you've got Kingsley, uh, S-U-A-M-A-T-A-I-A. If you guess A, you have a 50% chance of getting the next letter right. Yeah. And then uh, we go in Coker, or do you have another one that you want in there? So I've got Patrick Paul from Houston. Uh, two-time first-team All-AAC, two-time Dave Campbell's Texas Football All-Texas. So trying to spread the love a little bit. The accolades are there. I I haven't watched any film, but I, I thought he'd be a good fit. But if you want to make your case for TCU's guy, this was the one I was like fifth. He was fifth on my list. I'm good with that. Okay. Uh, kicker? I've got – Griffin Kell from TCU. I've got Burt Auburn from Texas, based on the name alone. Is he still there? Is he not? I don't know. I thought I think, I think Griffin Kell made like every single kick last year, so that's why I put him. All right, I'm down with Griffin Kell. He's clutch too. That that uh, scene in Waco of them running onto the field, oh, you yeah. know, season on the line. So hard to put somebody else. As cool as Burt Auburn's name is. It's such. A, it's like a fake name. <laughs> it's like uh in a movie you're you're trying to give a name at the the hotel counter to not be known <laughs> it's bird auburn yeah all right uh quarterback i i don't feel strongly about mine i've got three top guys um do you have quinn ewers as number one no. Okay. Then I think we might have the same guy. Is it Will Howard? No. Oh. Then who is it? So I think those two and the two I'm about to name are the only ones you can make a credible argument for. Uh, as badly as I want to say Garrett Green here, I won't do that. Um, I actually – I've been waffling back and forth on this and still don't – know which way to go, but I've got Jalen Daniels and Dylan Gabriel. Don't. 
I'm not doing uh I'm not doing Dylan Gabriel. Why not? He's a bum. He's a bum. He's a bum. Explain. I test. I test. <laughs> I don't like him. He's not my quarterback. <laughs> Hashtag not my QB. Hashtag not my QB. I'm not putting him on there. I test. I test. I don't like him. What do you mean to say? I want you to say he's averaging nearly nine yards per attempt in his college career. Don't care. <laughs> 25 to six touchdown to INT ratio last year. Don't care. It's almost five to one TD to INT ratio for his career. If you put Will Howard in all the games last year, he goes 3,200, 30 and eight. All the dude does is win. What's Will Howard's completion percentage? I would take Will Howard to win a game over Dylan Gabriel. Is Will Howard breaking off 70-yard runs in Norman last year? Like Adrian Martinez did? Yes, Will Howard could. Maybe not 70. Maybe uh, 55. (laughs) Will Howard has thrown 422 passes in his collegiate career. He's Uh failed to complete more than 57% of those. He's top 10 in uh, Kansas State history. See, L. Roberson, Michael Bishop, Colin Klein, Jake Waters. No, completion percentage or, or uh, like legitimately top 10. Not <laughs> like, or he's, he can enter the top 10 this year by doing some things. Josh Freeman. Sure. He was just stuck with Ron Prince. Um, I, so here's the deal on Will Howard. The, the volume isn't there. Who do you have winning the league? Who do I have winning the league? Yeah. Probably Texas. Well, you just put Kansas State up there. Yeah, I explained why. So, Will Howard is the quarterback on that team. He is. He lost his two best receivers. Sure. He lost the most dynamic running back. Well, hit Deuce or Bijan. He lost an extremely dynamic running back. So, I would put Quinn Ewers over Dylan Gabriel. Why? Because I don't like Dylan Gabriel. I I would compromise with Jalen Daniels. I would. I think he's very good. Did Dylan Gabriel kiss your girlfriend or something? No, I just don't like him. You and David Collier can't stand him. What's his completion percentage? Uh, 60. It's north of Will Howard's, that's for sure. (laughs) And his A dot, I bet, is way higher. So, like, he's throwing the ball down the field and completing passes. But Jalen Daniels was on your list as well? Yeah, he was my co-number one with Dylan Gabriel. We don't do co-number ones. This isn't the old Big 12, co. I told you, I was I was waffling. and I, I have one true quarterback. One. Dylan Gabriel, 63% last year at Oklahoma. That's only 6% better. That, that's a pretty meaningful difference. What's Tyler Shuck's completion percentage? Again, especially with the A dot. Um, let me see here. Tyler Shuck. You could talk me into Tyler Shuck over Dylan Gabriel, too. I think he's under 60%. Tyler Shuck is. Let me see here. Yeah, oh, yeah. So he 59.9 last year. Undefeated. And let's see. A, about a yard and a half fewer yards per attempt than Dylan Gabriel, which is significant. That doesn't sound like a lot, but 40 passes over a game, that's 60 yards. So I'm going uh, 
I'm going Jalen Daniels. You down with that? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yes, you froze. You down yes, with I'm down with Jalen Daniels. Yes. That's a Y? E? I think it's just J-A-L-O-N. That's right. I just remembered how the Kansas fans were spelling it last year. Yeah, they were like Jalen Daniels for Heisman and couldn't spell it right. So I can't believe we're listing quarterback and running back number one as uh, Kansas players, and we've got them eighth. Well, so they, they had an offensive lineman who I think would have been sixth or seventh on my list, like almost first-team All-Big 12. Um, what was his name? Mike Nowitzki. He was honorable mention All-Big 12 in 2021, second team last year. So he's he's a credible um, offensive lineman. Get that comment off the screen. <laughs> Bowman. Jeez. Lots of, lots of quarterbacks are bus drivers. He's a system quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalen Daniels is? No, Will Howard. Oh, well, see, I don't know about that, but, like, I also don't care. The, the So the knock on the guys that he runs the system really efficiently? I, I, they, always, I always hate the system quarterback thing. It's like, oh, it's a, the system that allowed B.J. Simmons to throw for 8,000 yards. Like, okay, well, great. He still threw for 8,000. Anybody else can run this system if they want. Yeah. I think Tyler Shuck will be up there. I had Tyler Shuck on my list. Um, didn't want to be too homer though. Jalen Daniels last year, since we were throwing out all these stats, 66% completion after 69 the year before. Nice. 8.8 yards per attempt. That is elite. 18 touchdowns, four interceptions. He takes care of the ball. Quarterback rating 162. It's like booby miles and he can pass. He can run too. Five and a half yards per carry, seven touchdowns in just nine games. Yeah, I'm down with Jalen Daniels. Okay. And people thought we were a K-State Homer podcast. Our uh, our alliances are going to be tested here. I think we did a good job being honest, and I think that shows in the diversity of teams that these names come from. Okay. And I think there was even more diversity on the honorable mention. So I think the only one we're missing, Iowa State. The only one. And TJ Tampa was right there. But a lot of, a lot of good DBs in this conference. Okay. Uh, let's see. Got some Kansas hate in the chat. Let him hate. Uh, all right, so offensive player of the year. Is it Jalen Daniels? Or Dylan Gabriel. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I would go maybe Xavier Worthy here. I think – I mean, if it's Xavier Worthy, it's going to be Quinn Ewers. If we're valuing pass production, I think it's Xavier Worthy or Devin Neal. If you're asking me to project if Jalen Daniels is healthy for 12 games, I would – it'd probably be him or if Quinn Ewers has the kind of season that the hype machine thinks he might, then it would be him. So My plan was to put the quarterback as offensive player of the year because that's generally how it goes. That's usually how it goes, yeah. So Or, or we could show some love to 
the O line. You know, the athletes don't get any respect. We can we can make amends with Emaw by putting Cooper Beebe as offensive player of the year. That would be really funny. But I think uh, as a serious uh, Big J Journo duo here, I think we have to stay true to the system and, and say a quarterback. Or Devin Neal. If he can run if he can run for fourteen hundred yards this year, uh, he'd be in contention as well. Yeah, and that's the like if Jalen Daniels is as good as we think he can be, that takes a lot of focus away from Devin Neal and like he can sleepwalk to a thousand yards. Yeah. And he's a playmaker. I'm not trying to minimize what he's capable of at all. I, I'm cool with either one. Or then, or Xavier Worthy. And then newcomer of the year. Do you have a list there? I've got one guy. Who's your guy? Mike Smith at Baylor. So I had him on my list, and same train of thought, same type of player. I've got um, Deshaun McCullough at OU. He's a transfer from Indiana, was a freshman All-American linebacker last year. And so I think Ben Smith, same type of – or Mike, Mike Smith or Ben Smith? Is it Ben Smith? I think it's Mike. It, it probably is. Um, transfer from Liberty, also a linebacker, correct? Yeah. Honestly, we're, we're kind of light on OU for how good they're expected to be. That that was part of why I went with Deshaun McCullough. I went I went the Baylor kid because he's playing um, the that position at Baylor that gets all the stats. Terrell Bernard's position. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have a super strong conviction on it one way or the other. Okay. We'll go uh, we'll go Baylor for our Baylor people. I will say Baylor fans, probably the least engaging Twitter fan base. So if that's a factor on this super serious official media poll, then we could consider that. OU is not uh, super into us either. They're engaging. They just – they're haters. All right, that's the list. We've done it. One more look. There's the top 14. Any changes you want to do after we did the other thing? Um, I don't think so. I think I like it. Can we move Kansas over <laughs> over anybody? Yeah, I think, like I said, that section, Baylor, UCF, Kansas, I all had is kind of – co-equal if you want to put kansas above ucf i could probably be down with that i think we leave it okay i think we leave it uh austin rushing it says he's late to the party are y'all real media poll voters that's not a joke this is list that's going to get submitted yes this will be submitted tonight this is real this is real all right final thoughts yeah, we appreciate Barnett, Howard, and Williams' support of the Gambling Gauchos, bhwlawfirm.com. I wonder if uh, any players or coaches could sue us for not not listing the right guys here. Um, if they do, that's who we're calling. They don't actually handle cases like that, probably, but they do handle catastrophic injury, uh, workplace injury, criminal defense, certified for Title IX student litigation, one of the only law firms in Texas that is certified for those types of cases. 
Based in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across the state of Texas. Barnett, Howard, and Williams. BHWLawFirm.com to learn more. They hope you never need them, but a very solid law firm in your corner if you do. Do we have a mailbag today, Rob? Um, Let's see. There is a couple of mailbags here. I didn't clear out the last one, so forgive me if it gets a little weird. Um, there's a, I'm not going to ask this one. Here's a, a question from Swamp Donkey that I don't want to get into. Uh, do Texas fans know there's no sand around Lubbock? Dust Aggie or Dirt Aggie would be a better choice. Would Dust Aggie be a better choice? I was going to say that wasn't a question. Um, I read it as a statement. It was a question. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't care what they call us. Have you ever sucked on a chili dog outside of Tasty Freeze? <laughs> no, but that's a pretty good song. Have you ever had a chili dog from a gas station? From a gas station? I've had a hot dog, not a not a chili dog. Rob, how many of Kyle's goats are you willing to sacrifice for a Texas Tech to win a national championship in football? Zero. I don't think I could uh, kill a goat. Too soon, man. Two goats died this year already. It's true. Uh, would you eat goat every day for two years if it meant Texas Tech wins a national championship? Just for like... One meal? They didn't specify. It could be one bite of goat. Yes, I would. Goat is delicious. Bury it in the ground. Cook it underground. Uh, Start bench cut. Daily driving. UPS truck. FedEx truck. Garbage truck. Start UPS. Bench FedEx. Cut garbage truck. Unless... The Big 12 becomes the FedEx Big 12, then that would rocket to the top of the list. Absolutely. All right, I think that's all we had this time. It's pretty pretty weak mailbag, guys. Well, I uh, this is a call out. This is a call out. We we need the mailbag to be better. Okay. Tell them, Kyle. And if you know what, I'm sorry it's come to this, Rob. But if the current parlay picadors won't up their game with the mailbag. Then we're just going to have to invite new parlay picadors to join us at patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. They would get access to the Discord mailbag, the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server on the internet, probably not aware of any others. Um, access to exclusive interviews that we do with former players, uh, regents, donors, all kinds of folks. And I think we're in the midst right now of a an off-season series where we interview folks that have been around the Lubbock media scene for a long time. So it's always interesting to hear those war stories. So join us, patreon.com slash gamblinggauchos, and make the mailbag better than that, because that was pathetic. Scott, it is Rahino, R-E-J-I-N-O, RahinoBBQ.com. Yes. And Kyle was obviously joking. Scott also says, hey, Kyle, you're not going to get fans behind you. Yeah, because you were slamming them for the mailbag. But well, I'm just calling it like I see it, you know. I I owe honesty to the listeners. All right. That's, uh, that's all we have, I believe. We do you could, have any final thoughts? You know, we could do an extended final thoughts today. I, I think we uh, 
I think we've said it all, though. I know that people have been clamoring for a long uh, final thought segment, but uh, an hour fifteen so far, I think we're uh, I think we're good. So you don't want me to share any final thoughts? No, I would love for your final thoughts. You you do a great job in it. I, I have one final thought, and I'm curious your thoughts on my thoughts. I was reading an article today that the governor of Nevada uh, he approved I think 300 million for that new. I was going to say Oakland A's, but I guess they'd be the Vegas A's stadium. And he said something to the effect of Las Vegas is going to be a, you know, sports mecca globally. Like we're going to be a player in sports. And they're, they just got the Vegas Raiders, brand new stadium. They just got the Vegas Golden Knights a few years ago, Stanley Cup champs. I think they're, I think they're serious about being a sports epicenter. They used to kind of, wear that crown because they were the only place you could sports bet. Now that that's been taken away, they kind of need to take a different angle to it. I think Brett Yormark knows that. And I think Las Vegas needs to be part of the big 12. Having said that, I don't think UNLV right now is a take. I don't think they should be part of the big 12, but I'm curious about a couple different strategies. One would be sitting down with UNLV and saying, this is what y'all need to do over the next five to 10 years facilities-wise, attendance-wise, program investment-wise, to earn a, to potentially earn an invite to the Big 12. Or Brett Yormark needs to form some sort of partnership, whether that's a sponsorship deal or, or similar with a, a large sports book that's based in Las Vegas, and complement that with neutral site games. Those can be non-conference games against UNLV. They can be you know, Big 12 neutral site games, Big 12 championship games. But I think right now Las Vegas doesn't belong to any of the Power Five conferences, and I think you should do what you can to capitalize on this momentum. Buy stock in Las Vegas right now. I don't think that's taking you in LV, but you've got to do something to capitalize on the momentum there, especially if you take schools out west and that becomes more in your natural geographic footprint. And so that's what I would – if I was Brett Yormark's advisor or chief of staff or something like that, I would task him with we need some kind of Las Vegas strategy. I don't want to be in Vegas. I want to be around Vegas. So I, I like being around Vegas. I like doing uh, tournaments in Vegas, showcases in Vegas. If they get a baseball stadium, if you could do a, a Big 12 showcase with schools that aren't playing each other that year, playing in Vegas uh, before the season, if you could do a Big 12, Big 10 baseball showdown in Vegas, um, I'm down with a lot of that. I'm down with uh, the Big 12, Pac-12 basketball showdown in Vegas. I'm down with football games, football championship games in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. But I don't want UNLV as part of the Big 12. I don't think that's the natural course of action. I think the natural course of action is to be around Vegas, but not in Vegas. I agree. And... You know, these Big Ten schools that are now stuck on the West Coast, I bet they would play a non-conference game in Las Vegas. You know, that's that's one game that they don't have to fly across the country. And so if, if it's just USC and UCLA, easy trip for their alumni base. If Oregon and Washington are out there, would they want to play a Big 12 school in Las Vegas? BYU, I think, played Arizona in Vegas two, three years ago. Wildly successful. BYU fans traveled there. So – there is an insane amount of sports momentum in Las Vegas, and I would like to see you 
get your hands in that. And like I said, I don't think that's taking UNLV, at least not in their current state. Ten years from now, who knows what they look like. But like I said, no power conference right now has a real flag planted in Las Vegas. I think the Pac-12 is the closest to it. Their headquarters are there. But if that conference is going away, then you need to be the one that capitalizes on that. Uh, thoughts on San Diego State's little pickle they got themselves into? Oh, like who's in charge over there? What are you guys doing? <laughs> I mean, think Why about Like, okay, if you're high up in the athletic department or university administration at San Diego State, you're probably making bank. Like somebody who makes $350,000 a year was dumb enough to be like, hey, we're, uh, we're getting a divorce but we don't want to agree to the prenup. So can y'all let that go, please? Oh, no. Okay, never mind. Sorry, I wasn't saying I was going to divorce you. I was just saying that if I go to the bar tonight and there's a really pretty girl there, then I might divorce you. And so I also don't want to pay the prenup. It's like, oh, okay, the answer is still no. All right, well, yeah, we're proud members of the Mountain West Conference. Like, they couldn't have handled that any worse. Why even put any of that in writing? Like, if you're going to try to do that, as dumb as it is, call somebody. Like, don't have a paper trail that just illustrates your stupidity to the rest of the world. That was crazy. I, I don't think they could have screwed that up any worse. No, crazy. Um, by the way, Josh Young hit his 15th home run yesterday. They're tied four to four in the top of the eighth. The Texas Rangers are the White Sox. You and I are going to the ballpark in Arlington. Very soon. Very soon. Two weeks. To watch a four-game sweep of the Houston Lastros. Hell yeah. Got my Astros cooker. <laughs> Charles Schwab challenge kill. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that San Diego State thing was a huge miss. And I, I guess they still think they're getting to the Pac-12 is why they sent that. They, they can't. But they can't. They have nine days. Yeah. And like, guys, it's been it's been a year. There's no TV deal for them to invite you to be a part of. And no. there's not going to be one in nine days. Uh, though, allegedly, there's a $22.5 million deal on the table. And if that's the case, then they're making basically two-thirds what the Big 12 is. If you want to sign that, feel free. And we'll just lap you, I guess. And are they going to pro route of that to San Diego State? There's no way, right? If, if it's taking this, if it's taking them this long as a collective to get Oregon, Stanford, Washington, twenty-two and a half per, they can't add SMU and San Diego State at that rate. Like the Big 12's number, our thirty-one point six or thirty-one point seven, wasn't negotiated until the four newcomers were in, and it was understood that Texas know you were leaving, so. And, and I've seen like, oh, well, if Oregon and Washington want unequal distribution, then San Diego State and SMU would come in at $10 million, and then they would give an extra 5 or 10 to Oregon and Washington. Well, it would still be – I ran the numbers on it. It would still be about $22.5 million for Utah, Cal, Colorado. And, like, is Colorado going to sign up to make 70% what they would make in the Big 12? I, I don't know. They might just be prideful enough to do that. And, like I said, if they do, great. Um, we'll just keep lapping you and – and be third in revenue, or you can come join the conference. I, I doesn't really matter to me. Agreed. Screw them. 
Screw them. All right, that's all I got. Same here. I'm going to go watch the Rangers. All right, me too. My Rangers. Love you all.